Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. And we're going to talk all about sequences. That is the name of the game today. And I have two experts with us that all they do is build sequences and help other people build sequences. Mr. Tom Alemo is with us, founder of TA Sales. Welcome back to the show. I'm glad to be back, man. Thanks for the invite. Excited to be here. Tom shares the energy with me. We know that we vibe really well. And I want to give a special thanks to Clara Johnson. This is her first time on the Sell Better show. So in the chat, let's give her a big welcome. You guys know that we bring you the best and brightest people. Welcome to the show, Clara. Thank you for being here. James, I am so excited to be here. <laughs> I feel like my energy has like gone up three notches in the last That's since we kicked off. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, you guys know before we kick things off, Go ahead and scan this QR code. Check out our new website, sellbetter.xyz, and go ahead and explore our YouTube channel while you're there. Amazing stuff on YouTube every day, the highlights, the good stuff that you guys need to know to be able to change your sales game forever. We are here to talk about sequences, but we cannot do it without thanking our longtime partners over at Vidyard and ZoomInfo. ZoomInfo invites you to define your market, discover your buyers, and get an operating system that your team needs to succeed. Whether you're in sales or marketing or recruiting, ZoomInfo's sales OS will change the game for you. Complete with 106 million company profiles, 60 million direct dials, five plus million C-level contacts, and the techno and firmographic data that you need to win deals. Are you curious yet? Well, get started right here in the chat. I am going to drop this link so that you guys can try it out for free. That is what you want to do. That's the name. Go try it out. If you haven't seen it yet, make it happen. Let's check out who's in the room right here. Bam. Nice. A lot of SDRs, a lot of AEs. Look at the senior leadership, 15%. I know some of y'all be building sequences for your reps. So I'm not actually that surprised that folks are building those sequences. I appreciate the crap out of all these leaderships that are coming to the room. We need more folks like you. Tell your friends. Uh, all right. Let's talk about what you're going to get today. Oh, real quick. Before you guys move forward with what you're going to get. Go ahead and read this. I'm not going to read it to you. Instead, let me tell you why we have sponsors. We've been driving like hundreds of thousands of leads for our sponsors, lead gen demand. And it's just been a lot of fun. So if you sell B2B SaaS and that's something that you want to do, let me know. Hit me in the DMs on LinkedIn. I want to have a conversation with you. I'll share all the information. We're very transparent here. And that's the name of the game for all these demand folks that we've been working with. I'm on your side. Let's get some business in the door. Here's what you're going to get today. And let's go ahead and kick things off. I want to start with Clara because she said something in, what's the name of your, it's hormones in the workplace. Is that right? That's like her brand. I think I love this. I want to learn more about it. But one of the things that you posted about with regard to hormones in the workplace is this sense of authenticity that's often lost in sequenced messaging strategies. What's a good way to show your authenticity in a sequenced message in your mind? I, I love that everyone caught on to the hormones in the workplace topic, James, because everyone was like, what? She's posting on LinkedIn about hormones? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had that. We had to weave in authenticity into that post, right? Because that is very important to me. And I think in the topic of sequences, we need to we need to speak in sequences the way that we would talk to a prospect if we were right in front of them. So uh, there there's a lot of sequences that are automated, but most sequences have some personalization element to it. So my recommendation to bring your authenticity is one to two small tweaks of what's been pre-written that sound more like you or you weaving in information and research that you did to make it really come from your own voice. 
I love this. It's hard. We lose our voice sometimes because we're speaking from our leadership's voice or we're speaking from our senior, our, our, our direct reports voice. Tom, you have some interesting ways. And one of the things that you said was write as you speak. And I immediately asked you, what does this mean? Does it mean like, instead of saying going to, I say gonna, G-O-N-N-A. Put a one in the chat if you use casual language in your sequences. Tom, talk to me about all these strategies for language that you use in your sequences. Yeah. So I think when I think about authenticity, um, I think about it in two different lenses, right? About how I'm going to message people if it's an email, LinkedIn, or a cold call. Um, one is that I want to be true to myself and who I am. Every salesperson has their own superpower. Some people are funny. Some people are super outgoing. Some people are more data-driven, more introverted, whatever it is. Use that to your advantage. So for example, I've got like light joke in here. If you're actually funny, if you're one of those people that's on Reddit and sees all cool memes and wants to make their own memes or, or gifts or something like that, use that. James, you mentioned on our prep call that you love doing videos because yeah. everyone can feel your energy through this Zoom webinar right sure. now. So I imagine that works really well for you uh, compared to just like writing uh, an email. Yeah. So I think that's really important, but it's also matching that with who you're reaching out to. So if I'm reaching out, you know, I sell to sales leaders, right? That's more of a casual audience, right? I can make a joke and probably not, you know, upset people. I can maybe say gonna or wanna or something like that. I can I can more write like I talk. If I'm sending an email to a CFO to get a deal done, I'm going to be a little bit more, you know, uh, on my, you know, cross my T's, dot my I's on that. But like what I want to do is I don't want to try to sound smarter than I am and use all these buzzwords and jargon regardless of who I'm talking to. Want to keep it at a, like a fifth grade level, keep it understandable for everyone. And I think it just makes it easier. Like that's how I would talk to you if we were grabbing a coffee, right? Yeah. That's that's how I want to try to keep it. There's a social aspect to the language that we use that I think is effective. On the flip side of that coin, I think some of this depends on our persona. Sometimes we sell to a more technical persona and they're not in for all that fluff. I always, I'm always reminded of, and I think I've brought him up like three times this week, Bilal Batrawi is the death to fluff guy, right? And some people, depending on your persona, are just not that excited for your fluff, your fun things, your jokes. They're like, I don't do this. This isn't something I do. So you have to know about your persona. That's very important. Let's move forward here and let's talk a little bit about technographics, because I think in all sequences, there's this element of where does the technographic data fit? When should I bring it up? How do I find it? So first, let's talk about when a good time to bring this up is, um, Clara, you said there's no magic time, but in your, in your experience, the earlier, the better. Why do you think that is? I think when you break, bring up technographics, it, it allows you more credibility, right? Because you're understanding the tech stack that they use and how you could optimize that tech stack and make it efficient. So I would say, yes, bring it up earlier and often in the beginning of the sequence versus the end because it proves that credibility and you did your research. Yeah, I think it's really important when you are bringing this into your sequencing and your outbound prospecting to stay in your lane of why that matters to the prospect. Mm. If we're talking about their tech stack, what benefits is your technology going to bring to that existing tech stack? Or could you replace that existing tech stack and save them money because we're in an economic downturn. So really use it to your advantage in how it can help the prospect do things more efficiently or better. Uh, 
the part where you talk about how your product or service can help them be better is I think the piece that is often left out. I think the other two are kind of natural sometimes for some sellers, but they always leave out that thing that's valuable for the product, which I think is kind of the hook that you're going for, right? Tom, you said there's two ways that you think about it. And one of the ways was whether or not you actually play on top of something. And you use a couple of things to be able to find that information out. Clara, I'm passing to you next for this because your tip is amazing. All right, uh, Tom, talk to me about tools that you use uh, to be able to dig into the technographic data that you need. Yeah. So a, a lot of, you know, a lot of people in the room are probably selling software or SaaS and much, you know, many SaaS products are built on top of something. They're built on Salesforce, HubSpot, Google, Shopify, these giants, and that's created tens of thousands of other companies, right? It makes it, makes it possible for you to sell your technology. So that's why it's so important in a lot of cases to make sure they have that technology and to just, I'll get to the tools in a second, but I want to add on to what Clara said of selling not just a, why you might be helpful, but what is the problem that people have? If everyone's using Salesforce, what is the problem that people have with Salesforce that makes your technology either better or help to add on to it? Same with Google, same with Shopify, right? Everyone, I always, the number one thing I think about in a sequence is what problem are we solving? I don't want to talk to you if you don't have a problem that I can help solve, right? If you do have the problem that I solve, I think I'm the best in the world and I want to be able to help you and I have a lot of conviction there. But if you don't experience that pain, probably not a good use of both of our time. So that's where I focus. But I I use tools like builtwith.com, which is a free tool. You can see a bunch of things that are uh, that uh, uh, technology that's installed. LinkedIn, uh, SalesNav has this right now, I believe as well. Um, you know, tools like Apollo, Zoom Info, a lot of like lead providers will have that, contact providers. Um, and I, in my experience, the data is not 100%, maybe it's 80 to 90% accurate, but I want to treat it like I found the answers to the test Yeah. and I'm not calling out, hey, I saw on Zoom Info that you're using this technology, a little creepy, but if I just <laughs> pretend like, okay, I'm assuming Clara has, you know, Salesforce based on what I found here. I'm going to use that as my hook and a couple times, you know, I'll be wrong and I'm okay with, with the odds there. Yeah. I, I, it's so funny that you say it's kind of creepy, right? I always imagine these like weird tones, like I was searching around and built with, and I saw <laughs> that you use this, you know, like that creepy tone that nobody wants. That's how I read them. Okay. Clara, uh, your tip was one of those tips that when I hear it, I'm like, oh my God, how have I never thought of this? Uh, so talk to me about where people can go to find the technologies that companies are using. <laughs> I love this tip. I used to do it all the time as a sales rep, and now I've, I've taught it to all of the teams that I've managed. Uh, go to the company, the company's website, go to the career page, and look at the roles that would be leveraging your technology. So when I worked at Outreach, those were sellers. Maybe they were uh, new logo sellers, they were growth sellers some account managers and CSMs. Catalyst, it's CSMs. And I go to those job openings and I read the job description of a CSM at Company X. And nine times out of 10, it tells you what technology you need to leverage in order to do the job that is posted. So that gives you a wealth of knowledge to leverage in your prospecting efforts from a technographic standpoint but it also gives you more insight to personalize based off of how that end user could benefit from your technology. Y'all, when she said this, I about dropped my mic 
because I was like, I can't believe I never thought of this. Like, if you want to know if a company uses Salesforce, go look at the job and see if it says must use Salesforce on the thing. You're going to know from that one. Uh, one of the ones that's here that I think we often misstep or we just feel like it's going to be a waste of our time. Tom, you talk to a lot of reps at companies and get information from them based on the stuff that you want to know. Great discovery can be done in casual conversation with other reps that are just like you. Talk to me about this. Totally. Yeah. So um, most recently, the, the company that I was selling for was Gong. And so we sell to, to sales teams and I would sell to mid-market and, and large customers. And so I wanted to come correct. If I'm going to a VP of sales at a 5,000 person company, I don't want to make guesses. And so for me, it was a, it was a good use of time. I would hit up reps on LinkedIn. I'd just be like, hey, rep to rep, James, uh, do you have five minutes? I, I'd love to just ask you a few questions. I think we, I have a hypothesis that we might be able to help the sell better team, you know, hit, hit quota more frequently. And either I'd get on a call with them or I would just shoot some DMs back and forth and I might just ask, what are they using? How's it going? You know, what do they like about it? What do they not like? And then I want to bring, you know, five or 10 of those opinions to the, someone that's above the line, to someone that ha at power. And I'm not going to mention all the reps names, but I'll say, Hey, I was doing some homework. I heard from the reps that this, this, this is going on. Um, here's my point of view as to like how I think we could help. Would you be open to a call? Now compare that to a cold email. It's just like, Hey, James, have you heard of Gong? We record calls and we give information and we can help you sell better, right? It's just like this night and day. And so yeah. if you're an SDR and you need to book in pump out meetings, it's maybe not the best use of your time, but for the AEs in the room or more strategic reps that are selling bigger deals, it's a, it's a really good investment of time. I think that's a golden nugget for the account execs in the room because you have the ability, especially the enterprise account execs, right? Yeah, have the ability to connect with this person laterally that respects your your position because they're in the same role. So when you reach out, they're likely to respond to you. We got a great example here. Uh, real quick, I want to remind you guys, throw the questions that you have about your own sequences into the Q&A section. I'm going to leave time at the end to answer as many questions as possible from you. The Q&A section is located at the bottom of the screen. It says Q&A. Imagine that. So throw your questions in the Q&A. You can upvote the ones that matter most to you. Okay, Clara, you provided this great example here, and I want you to break it down for everybody so they can understand how this functions in a sequence. Great question, Steve. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So this is a, actually a real example that we pulled from Catalyst. And we're going to talk later on in this webinar about my framework when we talk about competitors and putting them in a box. But it's, it's similar to this framework and how we approach technographics. So, you know, one, you want to build credibility and you're a reliable source. You've done your research. You talk to hundreds of leaders just like the one you're reaching out to. So you know what you're talking about. That's the first sentence. Usually when you talk to those leaders, this is what they care about. Right. So we're, we're saying, hey, we usually know that when you leverage Salesforce, it can be clunky. It's hard to track workflows or things that are moving through the funnel. So we talk about the pain. Then we orient to the solution. What is our solution and how can we help weave in our technology to create more efficiencies? So we see customers, again, building credibility, use Catalyst to solution towards that pain we referenced in the first paragraph. And here's the impact that it could have on your, your business. And I think that framework is really important, whether it's credibility, solution, impact, or pain, solution, impact. That's how we like to leverage technographics in our outreach.
This is a great example of technographics being used in a sequence to email. And I think you guys will notice there that there's a lot to be desired on the end, uh, or there's a lot of great opportunity for folks to be relevant with the things that they're sending while following this framework. We're going to give you the three steps of this framework outright here in just a couple minutes. But before we do, we're going to talk about, what's that? Something to mention, look yeah. at off with gratitude. How many times do we see people signing off with gratitude versus best? Thanks. So uh, just to plug that in, that that's a small little tweak of how you can sign off with some authenticity. I love that. I sign off with I'll follow up a lot. I think that's a good one because it's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm coming back to you. Like that, that one has done some good things for me. People are like, oh, I like your sign off. Like they'll respond back and start with, oh, a great sign off. <laughs> uh, all right, let's ask this question. We're about to talk about when and where competitors come into the picture and what that means. Uh, so here's the question is, how do we focus on the pain and avoid getting wrapped up in this battle that some sellers get into when competitors are brought to the table? Let me get a one in the chat now if you've ever gone to battle against a competitor and it ended up just being a negative conversation. I think this happens more often than not. Uh, okay, so let's talk, Tom, about your two lanes for how we get away from this ugly conversation that we tend to all get stuck in. Yeah, so um, first things first, your, your prospect does not want you to bass your competitor, right? It actually, as a sales professional, does more harm than good, whether it's on a call or an email, right? Um, it, it, it's a little, it can be seen as like a little bit classless, right? Like you're just trying to tear someone down and it, like you have an agenda and you might not even have the prospect's best interest at heart. So what I typically try, you know, do in a conversation is I, I do uh, three things. One is, you know, I acknowledge that, you know, they're using this technology or they're considering this or whatever it might be. I explain the similarities and I explain the differences. So if I was at Gong, I would say, yeah, it's, you know, makes sense here. You're, you're using Chorus, or you're evaluating Chorus or this technology. Uh, we're, I, I imagine it's because, you know, you might think we're similar because we both record calls and you can coach your team in this and that. But, um, you know, one area that we uh, differentiate is X and try to, you know, elaborate on that. If I, if I can tie that back to any research that I've done and I know that, you know, James's is sales team uh, is having this problem that I know only our product or solution can solve, not our competitors. I will plug that type of thing in, but um, I don't like to just straight up bash because I don't think that that um, that does very well. So um, you know, another thing that I I might say is, hey, a lot of our a lot of uh, the customers that left that company and went to ours said that this was a challenge. Uh, I've actually gone through G two uh, as a way of that. Uh, a lot of companies have Slack channels that are posted about like what technologies, uh, you know, your biggest competitor when you have a rip and replace or something like that. I would steal from that, steal from call recordings and say, hey, I've heard, you know, people that, that go from them to us say, this is a challenge. Is that a challenge for you? Again, I'm just going to the problem. Maybe they're the happiest customer in the world. That's going to be a really tough sale. But if they're having that challenge, my foot just got in the door and I might be open to, you know, having a conversation. Yeah, I think when people hear you bashing your competitors, subconsciously, they think to themselves, you know, if this goes south, this person might talk poorly about me and I can't take that risk. Clara, you said that you don't actually love plugging competitors into a sequence and you had a damn good reason why. Tell me why. Um, because sequences are meant to spark interest, right, around your product. And if you are plugging in competitor language and selling against the competitor and plugging in the value of your software 
that equation is leaving one thing out, and that's the prospect, the person you're actually reaching out to. You're focusing your attention on other software and your software, and you're not focusing your attention. Back to Tom's point, what could be the pain of the prospect that I'm reaching out to, and how can I help solve for that pain or inefficiencies within the business? I think there are a time and place to bring competitors into the conversation to specific personas for sure. But from a like a templatized sequence perspective, I don't think it's a best practice. Yeah, that's good. Uh, let me know in the chat, what's the thing that you think is, or not in the chat, ask your questions about your sequences that you're writing. What do you struggle with the most? Is it your openers? Is it your CTAs? I think sometimes we look at the data in whatever we're using and we're like, oh, I see a really high open rate but I don't have a high click rate. Why is that, right? So if that's something you struggle with, ask your questions. You know, these two are experts. They will be able to answer some of your questions. They're very good at thinking on their feet. Okay, let's reinforce your three-step process here, Clara, because I liked this and it, your email example that you gave followed this very well. So talk to me about this flow that you use. Yeah, so it's actually very similar. I think someone, Sean, just put this in the chat where you know you kind of put, we call this putting them in a box. Mm. We don't shy away from acknowledging our competitors. We're in business because we have competition, right? Like we all are trying to get the same type of market share and competitors make us better. So I like to acknowledge the competition, say, hey, you know, you're leveraging X technology today or we see you typically we see uh, companies like you typically on this X competitor. They're usually great in this lane and we put them in their box. We silo them to one thing that they do really well. And that also adds that to that acknowledgement that we are the credible um, sales professional. We know what we're talking about. Yeah. Then there, we like to say why we're better, right? So tell them what you do better or give them a real life example. You're using a Ford, you're, you're driving a Ford today and we're the Ferrari. I like to bring in real life stories and then we discuss the impact. So similar to that framework that I shared in that email, put them in their boss box, acknowledge their competitor, talk about all the things that you do different, maybe give some real life examples or stories and then discuss the impact it could have on their org if they were interested in having a conversation. This is a fantastic flow that can be repeated consistently when competitors are brought into the, into the scene. Now let's talk here about the number of people that are up against 10 or more competitors in the space. 37% of our voters say that they have 10 or more competitors. Now, I think that speaks to the crowded nature of the space today. Uh, and everybody, I see great questions coming into the chat. Please throw them in the Q&A. We're going to leave time at the end to answer as many questions as possible. So please throw them in the Q&A section. Uh, it's down at the bottom there where it says Q&A. Uh, the are there pros and cons, Clara, in your mind or Tom? I'll start with Tom. What's the pro and con for creating uh, an entire sequence based on a competitor? Yeah, so I think the only instance where um, I think this is going to be fruitful at all for you is if you are the very small fish going against the major whale um, and you're you're just scrapping for market share, you're scrapping for any sort of conversations in most people already have your competitor installed or are using them and you're trying to find a differentiated way to get in like that that happened when we were at gong there were a lot of like small anchor ankle biter companies and our customers would forward us these emails and say like hey i'm not going to actually take this meeting but just so you know this is what they're saying so um i think it, it it can happen in that sense but again i think a lot a lot can be you know done negatively uh 
I would not do an automated sequence. No. Now, if I have a list and say I'm going against, you know, Clara's company and, you know, Clara dot, you know, Clara LLC is like my biggest competitor and I knew a hundred of her customers, I'm not going to create an automated sequence. That's kind of lame in my opinion. What I'm going to do is I'm going to hunt down those hundred companies. I'm going to look at the top five to 10 decision makers at those companies. I'm going to go on sales now. I'm going to find mutual connections. I'm going to find customers that might be able to make an intro to them, investors that might be able to make an intro. And I'm going to be really, really strategic in trying to get my foot in the door and trying to have conversations. Um, If you're just setting automated and you're click and play on your sales engagement platform, I don't think you're going to have any success doing this. I agree with you. Automation is fantastic, but when it's abused, it's often less effective than it should be. When we talked about this, Clara, you gave some brilliant stuff around two different types of sequences that folks should be considering. Talk to me about ATL, BTL. Uh, Put a two in the chat if you don't know what that is. ATL, BTL sequences. If you've never heard that before, put a two in the chat. New stuff right here. New stuff. All right, Clara, it's all you. Yeah, so I... I don't think that you should create a sequence based solely off of your competitor. I think that you should create sequences based off of the type of persona that you are reaching out to. And the different types of personas can be bucketed into three categories, but we can boil it down to two, ATL, OTL, and BTL. On the line decision makers is the middle. ATL is above the line decision makers and BTL is below the line decision makers. And the touch points within your sequences should be different based off of which bucket you are reaching out to. And the level of automation should be different based off of which bucket you're reaching out to. So ATLs, I like to be more personalized, less automation, maybe a little bit more touches because they're harder to get in front of. And that's really where I do a ton of research. I get my data, my facts straight, and I weave that in through my authenticity and my own words and narrative. BTLs, I can maybe use things are a little more aggressive against competitors. The Ford versus Ferrari example might land there. And I'd like to see those sequences with some level of uh, personalization, specifically in the beginning, but it can get more automated towards the end and it's going to have a little bit more less touches. That's amazing. Uh, You did not bring up the OTL when we talked about this. So I was I was surprised to hear that one. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, I didn't know about that one. We would have added it here had we known. Uh, so new value all around for everybody in the room. Here's my question to you now. Uh, are you running cadences and or sequences for both above and below the power line? If you are, that's great. If you're not, maybe that's something you should be considering, right? A lot of folks miss that line. Uh, we have some great questions, so I'm super amped to get through it. But I want to get to this piece right here about the variables. There's a lot of variables when creating sequences. So Let's start with Tom. What is a special or unique technique that you can share that might open up some minds today when it comes to creating sequences, a tactic that you use? So uh, this actually is not one that we talked about either, James, but I'm going to just like, I want to keep you on your toes, man. I love it. <laughs> one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, sequences that, that works, I call it the stovetop sequence, right? So I'm Italian, right? And in Italian culture on Sunday, Grandma's cooking the sauce, the Sunday sauce, right? It's 10 hours. It's slow simmer on the stovetop, right? I find that that, using that as a sequence is really effective. What I mean by that is I take everyone that I lose a deal with. They ghost me. They say no. They go with Mike Petter, whatever it is. I throw them in the stovetop sequence. About once a month, I send them something 
that is relevant to them, but I'm not selling. So I might say, hey, look at this. I learned something really interesting on this Sell Better webinar today. Wanted to share it with you. Hope you enjoy it for your team. Next month, hey, I've been running this play. This email is killing it. See below. Feel free to use it for your team. And I'm just pumping them, pumping them with value every three to four weeks. And the amount of times that I get someone after four or five months of that saying, hey, Tom, we were just talking about when I was at Gala, conversation intelligence. Tom, we were just talking about training our uh, team on on outbound prospecting. Let's set up a call, right? Because I it, sales is about timing and it's about trust. And so I want them to trust me, know that I know my stuff. And when the, the, the timing is right, I want to be the obvious choice for the time. And so I don't want to just get a no and then throw them in a the dumpster forever. I want to make sure that they're always on the stovetop. I'm always adding a little salt, a little pepper, whatever it might be. And so when it's game time, you know, I'm eating a big plate of spaghetti. Tom, I love this analogy. And it's so like top of mind oriented. Anybody ever walk into your grandma's house or your mom's house and she's making something all day long. And every time you walk through the door, you're, oh man, I can't wait for dinner tonight. It's going to be so good. And you're like, absolutely thinking about it the entire time. There's nothing better than that satisfaction when you're like, oh, I get to eat it now. Right now I'm hungry. Same here. Lisette Rocco. Well, you come to every show. I see you, Lisette. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, okay. I like this tip from Clara. Clara, you have dropped some incredible tips today. Uh, I just, uh, we have to have you back. No question about it. You are a natural. This is something that I don't think enough sales reps consider, and I don't think enough executives offer their time very often to be able to do this. But this is a step that you can take in your sequences. Clara, let it rip. Listen, execs are super busy. But if anyone cares about one thing right now, it is revenue. How do we stay afloat? And so if you go to your execs, I guarantee they will care about this and do it if it is resulting in you building pipeline and then therefore revenue for your company. So what I like to do, we've done this at Catalyst many of times, whether you are uh, a virtual employee or you're in office, you can do it both ways. The first touch of a sequence is usually when we personalize the most. So what we have our reps do is if they're reaching out to an executive or a VP, usually those people are the ones that have the decision-making power. They do their research just like they would do to personalize their first touch. But instead of writing an email, because the market has shifted, we know phones is working a little bit better right now than emails are, we have them record a video with one of our execs that's aligned to the same type of persona. So Mark Cosiglo is the CRO at Catalyst. If we're reaching out to a CRO at X company, our SDR and Mark get into a room, they hop on Loom, they hop on Vidyard, they record a 60-second pitch in why this persona should take a meeting together. So the SDR preps Mark and says, hey, Mark, I want you to talk about how we generate more revenue for the their company using our specific feature in X. Mark does a maybe a one to two sentence plug. The SDR opens it and closes it. We send that off in our first touch and it has gotten a ton of high engagement. That is an incredible strategy to use. Uh, for those of you that did not know that Clara was a sales ninja, now you know, and you can reach out and follow her uh, on social. We'll give you her LinkedIn here in just a minute. Yes, Hosanna, wow. That's your second one that you like from Clara. I'm saying, like, we will have you back. Okay, let's take a look at this right here. It looks like it looks like more people are not running above and below the power line uh, than are, and that's shocking. I would have thought more people would have. 
but let's let's get that into your sequences, y'all. Let's start doing that because you're going to get a lot of information that way. Are you guys ready for some Q and A? Yes. Yeah. This is my favorite part of the show because I never know what's going to be said. <laughs> uh, all right. So this one with the most upvotes comes from Joe Sauret. I think I'm saying your last name right. My biggest challenge is the opener in my sequences, specifically in trying to personalize it without overloading the word count. Any tips that you can offer? Let's start with Tom. Yeah, so I would um, I would personalize. Usually, I look at anything company related, and if it if it's an email or a call, I just try to do it in one sentence. So, like, I'll give an example. If I was selling Gollum, uh, a big trigger for me would be I want to see that this this team is hiring sales reps. Invest on their sales team, right? It's yep. an easier sell for me. So I might say, Hey, James, saw your post about hiring twelve SDRs. That's my that's my personalization. Then in the next line, I say a challenge that most sales leaders I talk to say when they're hiring SDRs is X, then here's how we solve it, right? So I want to just do it in a sentence. I can do the same thing on a cold call and try to keep it brief. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good, that's, that's good. I, I like the fact that you're using a relevant trigger that's related directly to the product that you're looking to put in front of them. Uh, I think that's a connection that we often miss. John, John Barrows will sometimes talk about people that reach out and go, I saw you went to the University of Maryland, Maryland, Maryland. Anyway, I have this great data tool, right? It's completely like, who cares? Like, what'd you bring that up for? There's no reason. <laughs> Monica wants to know, what would be the CTA for that, Tom? I do typically do an open-ended uh, CTA. So I ask for like interest. So I'd say, any interest in a chat, open to learning more? Is this on your radar? Something like that, that is like uh, easy for them to respond to. I'm not trying to just like ask for like the exact meeting. I'm just seeing if there's interest. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Uh, Clara, this is a good question that's relevant to your last tip about involving your execs. When do you send these videos in your sequence? It's the first touch, right? Yeah, usually the first touch, which yeah. we typically see the highest level of personalization, first and second touch. Nice. So there you go, Lucas. Thank you for asking that question uh, relevant to that tip. I appreciate that. Uh, one more time. Thank you from Anonymous, whoever it is that asked this question. We appreciate you. Uh, how do you make your emails that don't, how do you make your emails not land in spam when you sent a video as that first email? Great question for you, Clara, there. Uh, and how do you make one video for everyone or an individual video? What's the best practice there? Tom, I am coming to you with this one next. I have no idea how to not make it spam. Tom and I were talking about emails going to spam. So uh, check with your IT person if that's happening, maybe. Deliverability. Mass blast. That's another thing I know that happens when emails land in spam. Yep. So I would say um, I'm not the expert there, but IT should be. And uh, from an e from a video perspective, I think if you're going to ATL, so ATLs are above the line decision makers. Those are people who typically have the budget or the authority to sign the contracts. Those videos shouldn't be a one size fits all. They should be very one to one because you are trying to speak to that person mm. specifically on their role and how your software could impact their role in their business. No. When if you're looking at doing videos that are more like mass blast, I'd keep it generic and I'd keep it high level and add your own authenticity special sauce in the very beginning of it. Maybe you make a joke. Maybe you're laughing in how you're approaching the the first sentence or not. Yeah. But I, I would try and make it a little bit more generic, similar to how your emails read in the automation of your sequences. Good advice right there. Tom, you are a video and voice note machine. I've seen it. It's amazing. It works. Uh, talk to this 
human anonymous uh, about how to not how to not come off the wrong way in your videos and your voice notes and such. Yeah, so uh, I agree with. I've actually tried to do like a blast video, and it, it hasn't worked for me. Even as gen- like, I like the idea of it, but I didn't book meetings from it. So um, I'd rather just do fewer, more personalized ones to people that are above the line, people that like are my tier one top prospects. Um, and the way that I do a video is is about you know I keep it forty five ish seconds. Uh, I talk like I'm me. I'm not reading off a script. So I might just be like, hey, James, here's the reason for me reaching. You know, here's something that like caught my attention. Here's why I'm reaching out. And then I do a call to action. It's pretty much like I'm writing an email with my voice and my face on the screen. Uh, But again, I'm not reading off of it. I want to be able to, you know, uh, stutter sometimes or I want to you know, fumble around my words. I think that makes it more human. So I do it one take unless I like really mess up and can't say my name the right way. Uh, Keep it brief under 45 seconds. And then I usually just say like in the actual email body itself, like, hey, James, uh, this this stuck out to me. I made you a 47 second video below. Uh, Let me know what you think about it. Yeah. uh, Good CTA right there. Let me know what you think about this, right? Whatever you're sending. I'd love your feedback is a great CTA for Carolyn in the chat. I see you. Uh, the voice notes, Tasha, are on the mobile app right here. There's a little microphone. You hit it, and then you hold the button down, and you send a voice note, and you just say it into your phone. And then the curiosity is unbelievable. The people that hit play, like you're playing on human nature right there. We talked about that in more cold messaging shows earlier this week. Human nature forces people to hit play. All right, this is a great question from Monica one more time. Uh, is there a certain number of characters that are best in a subject line? Clara, what do you think? I think the shorter the subject line, the better. One word, if I can. Yeah, I'm the same. Tom, thoughts? Yeah, I'd say usually it's two to three words. I don't put emojis. I don't put first names. Yeah. Uh, I don't want them to think that it's a sales email, right? I want it to seem, generally it's about like what the topic is of the email. It's pretty vague. I like starting with the words you or your. So I might say to James, I might say like your team's pipeline, something yep. like that. And that's what the email's about. But it's intriguing enough, hopefully, that he's going to at least click and give me a chance. I heard one from on a, a call that I was on with a sales leader, and one of their top performing subject lines for the time being has been your decision process. Three words, your decision process. He says the open rates on that are bananas. It gets great reply rates uh, because he's reaching out about that. So, you know, I, A-B testing is always what I say for people. Uh, you know, if you have a subject line that's kind of in flux and you're not sure, Use the same body of the email, but change the subject line and A-B test the two. See what works best for your ICP, your persona that you're selling to. Uh, this one comes from Brent Auto. How many email or outreaches are in a sequence and the duration of time? 10 weeks, 12 emails, et cetera. Uh, what do you guys think for like span, space, time between, how many touches? Uh, let's go Clara first. So again, if we're going after those two buckets of sequences, the ATL... Yeah sequences. If I would typically say you need in ATL, the ones that are longer, I like to spread them out from 30 to 45 days. And we typically like to see anywhere from 12 to 15 touch points within them. Now, when you say touch points, are they all emails or are they kind of spread out? Definitely weave in LinkedIn touches, maybe a connection request, an in-mail and phone calls. Phone Phone calls are what what is working right now in our market, specifically for us. So I like to see phone calls almost after every single email touch. And then for our, our lower hanging fruit accounts that we're going after or our BTL personas that don't have as much decision making power, 
uh, we can shorten those sequences a little bit. So anywhere from like to 12 touches over the span, no longer than 30 days, I would say. Yeah, that's good. Tom, thoughts on span of time and the number of touches? Yeah, I mean, the uh, my go-to like starter template sequence is usually about 12 touches over 20 business days, which is a month. Um, and it's about, so it's usually email, call, LinkedIn, like Claire is saying. I go, I've gone, I used to go heavier on email as of late, way higher on calls. Um, something that I'm going to start working around with is uh, direct mail. I feel like that's an underplayed channel right now. I think emails are like not working as well as they did 12 months ago. And I'm going to try with uh, with some, you know, handwritten notes and things like that to try to uh, try to stir things up. But that's like, that's this the starter template. And then I usually look at where am I getting good engagement? Where are people actually replying? And then yeah. adding or subtracting from there. But when I do say email, one of those is going to be a video. When I do say LinkedIn, one of those is like a LinkedIn audio. So I try to just hit them in a bunch of different ways and see what starts to work. Good stuff. I think we've covered a lot here. Brian, I'll, Brian Blavelt, I think I'm saying your name right. Can I explain the line? We're talking about the power line. Some people function above the power line. They typically have access to budget and can make decisions without needing approval. Some people function below the power line. They are usually a bottom-up approach. They have to go get approval. They have to have one-on-ones and talk with their managers. These people are usually are better champions than they are decision makers. Champion has a very specific definition, but that is a whole other show, y'all. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about how people can go connect with you. Clara, where can people find you? Find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on the Alluvians website. Tom and I actually co-host a sales retreat through this company called Alluvians. So we're going to drop our link. Ugh, Tom already did it. Drop the link in the chat and you can connect with us in both of those areas. I'm going to drop my LinkedIn profile in the chat too so you guys can find me there. Yeah, we got your LinkedIn profile in the chat already, but feel free to drop it. Tom already dropped his LinkedIn in the in the chat. And I want to tell you guys one more time, thank you so much for coming and sharing your wisdom. You guys are experts and we appreciate all the nuggets that you've dropped today. I know. A lot, let me know in the chat, has this been helpful for you? Yes or no? Uh, guys, again, thank you for spending your time with us. We want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Check out our website, sellbetter.xyz. Remember, we have been driving a ton of lead gen and demand for all these teams that sponsor Vidyard, Sales Loft, uh, everything that you've seen, Gong, they're all sponsors of the Sell Better Show. And if that sounds like something that's going to be beneficial for you, I would like to hear from you on LinkedIn. So feel free to DM me. Uh, connect with these folks and learn from them. They're amazing resources for you. Connect with me personally at Say What Sales. You are going to get a survey after this to let us know how we did and what we can improve on and the things that matter most to you. So take advantage of that because we create this stuff for you. Thanks again for coming and we will see everybody next time tomorrow when we continue this journey on cold messaging. Talk to you later, everyone. Have a great day. I know.